look, if a character is non-binary and they're home-wrecking, I have to support them no matter what. <laughs> I'm literally going to use this as, like, the little preview for this episode so that everyone can start <laughs> off hating you. I hate that so much. You know what? Fair. I deserve that. <laughs> Hello everyone, my name is Nia, and welcome to Not As Young Adult, a podcast where I, an emotionally stunted 21-year-old, talk about what makes YA books, movies, TV shows, etc. so appealing to people of all ages, even adults, with the help of some wonderful guests. This week, I have invited one of my closest friends, Bethany, a film writer and aspiring letterbox influencer, on as a guest. Bethany, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, yeah, my name is Bethany. I'm a creative writing major, and as Nia said, I love film. Fun fact about me, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm just going to say it, because <laughs> it's kind of related. Um, <laughs> at the end of my freshman year, when I was moving out, I may or may not have stolen the DVD copy of Lemonade Mouth from my roommate, and I kind of have that in my possession now. This is the roommate that you don't hate, correct? But you still stole her DVD copy of Lemonade Mouth. Yes. Just on a whim. I mean, I'm not going to call the cops on you for that, but (laughs) Bethany's roommate, if you're listening, I mean, she's got it. If you ever want it back, obviously I'll give it back to you. But yeah, I have it. Moving into non-Lemonade Mouth related things. um, This week is a very special episode. I did prepare, you know, questions and stuff, but if you know anything about this podcast, you know that I usually throw everything out so that I can listen to my friends talk about fun shit. So this week, the first thing I want to ask is, Bethany, can you please tell us about Turnt? Oh, God, you want me to tell you about Turnt? Okay, Uh, Turnt is a Facebook show. I have no idea what year it aired. I think it's like... It it aired on 2018. 2018. It premiered August 1st, 2018 on Facebook Watch. There are two lines about the entire show on Wikipedia, and it is that it premiered on Facebook Watch and that it follows an ensemble cast of characters as they navigate high school, as if that isn't the description for every teen show ever. So it premiered on Facebook. It's basically what you said, high school show, usual shenanigans. It's kind of a fucked up show, though. I don't want to say like Riverdale Heights, because I actually haven't seen Riverdale, but it feels in that area. But yeah, it's basically about these teenagers who get up to shit, who, first word that comes to mind, home wrecking. There's a lot of home wrecking in this show, and it's very intricate. There's a lot of relationship drama, which is expected, but yeah. Teens um, are like that. Yeah, teens are definitely like that. <laughs> it's turned a good show. Ooh, I want to say no, but it has its moments. I mean, it certainly ended in a way that, like, stays in my mind. Like, it looms at the back of my brain. It's the, and the fact that I didn't get another season, I'm not going to advocate for another season because this show (laughs) is, it's everywhere at once. But, like, I'll just say now, spoilers for Turn, I mean, if you're ever going to watch that show, which I don't recommend. But at the end, there's a possible death to one of the high schoolers. And we don't know if she's alive. It just kind of ends that way and hasn't been resolved since. We haven't gotten a new season. So, you know, dead or alive, 
who knows i actually had considered doing like an episode on turns i really did because i think that web series <laughs> are fun but i was just like i was not going to put myself through watching this show when i have jobs to apply for us so i just like threw in a little turn segment for this episode because i knew that you're the you're the only person i know who has watched it and has opinions on it yeah which is unfortunate i don't know why i have opinions on this actually i do it's because of an actress in it actress, yes and even... who is that actress <laughs> Um, her name is Isabella Roland, if we'll say full names. Izzy, we call her. But yeah, honestly, I'm just gonna say it now. She carries that show. Only reason why I watched it at first, but like when I actually got into it and was like intrigued by some of the plot lines, she was always the one that I was like, she's got the best storyline. Deserve. Yeah, I could go on, but I feel like I I don't want to <laughs> drag you through. <laughs> It's okay. I mean, I did. <laughs> there is a whole section in my notes document that is just questions to ask Bethany about Turt. <laughs> it's not the focus of the episode at all, but it's probably like the <laughs> one with the most bullet points. But like, in the interest of segueing, like, ter- do you think Turt is the kind of show that will like stand the test of time? Like, in ten years, will people be talking about Turt? Hmm. I'm going to say no, because only because of the way that it was released. I feel like if it hadn't been a web series, which sometimes web series do succeed and people are like into that stuff. If it hadn't been on like Facebook, I feel like if it had been on the CW, people would have eaten this shit up. That's what I'm going to say. Like there's this fascinating, like there's like a lot of like movies released like these days where I'm like, oh, if that was released like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it would have been like a huge cult classic. But now... Things are making no noise at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, this episode is about, like, teen movies specifically. Like, the ones that, you know, like, stand the test of time. Because it feels like there's, like, something new coming out every day. But, like, only a few that we can remember in the long run. So, like, the obvious question starting off here is, like, Bethany, what's your favorite teen movie? I gotta go with 10 Things I Hate About You. Such a classic. I love that movie. I think I thought you'd say something different. I was, because, like... I because you've been talking about I'm a cheerleader so frequently. That oh, like, <laughs> teenagers okay. are technically in the movie. That's true. Fine. That's true. In my brain, though, I was just like, "Hmm, is that a teen? It is a teen movie. You're Every absolutely teen, right. A teen movie has teenagers in it. That's my thing." <laughs> well, then, yeah. Sorry to pivot. Yeah, no, but, it's okay. But I'm a cheerleader. <laughs> I can't Were believe you- I didn't even think of that. No, yeah. How about I say both? Both. Both are classic movies, but yeah, I love But I'm a Cheerleader. <laughs> Why are like those movies like 10 Things I Hate About You and But I'm a Cheerleader like so impactful and special to you? It's hmm, a great question. I think because of how unique they are. With But I'm a Cheerleader, it's like the way that people talk about it now, it's like it was so ahead of its time. And I fully agree. Like the concept and what they did with it. I loved it so much. And with 10 Things I Hate About You, obviously, spinoff of Shakespeare, which is, I wish we could go back to that. Those kind of movies, classic. And I feel like that was also, in a sense, ahead of its time. I really loved what they did with, I haven't read The Taming of the Shrew, but I loved what they did with it, like the material. So good. But yeah, I like movies that like push the genre of what they are and like try to be original and new with it. I like that. 
do you think like movies like 10 Things I Hate About You or like But I'm a Chitler, do you think like those types of movies could be made today and still have like a similar degree of impact? Hmm. I want to say yes, but considering like attempts that have happened now, like for instance, I could, I can't talk about this actually because I haven't seen it, but the She's All That remake, <laughs> He's All That. I have seen He's All That. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I feel like attempts at it so far haven't been great. So for now, I want to say no. But I feel like given the right material and the right people that are behind it, maybe. But it's like a slim chance for me. I feel like you can't recreate that sort of stuff now. Definitely you can't create it. But like, I feel like it was very, like, it was a lot easier for like teen movies, like, 10 Things I Hate About You and, like, stuff like The Breakfast Club to become, like, these, like, critical, massive successes and now, like, things that are, like, critical successes in some way. Like, I don't know why the first thing I'm thinking of is, like, To All the Boys I've Loved Before, but, like, they're not... <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like, I guess, like, it's not as big as I I perceive, like, movies like 10 Things I Hate About You being. Yeah. And I think... I don't think this is the only reason, but I think it has a lot to do with the fact that these sorts of movies are releasing on, like, streaming services rather than, like, in theaters. Like, I can assume that But I'm a Cheerleader and 10 Things I Hate About You probably hit theaters. I think But I'm a Cheerleader premiered at Sundance. I'm not 100% sure about that. But it seemed like they uh, handled them, like, a lot better, like, release-wise. And now it's, like, oh, I could just pull up the streaming service and watch this and see how it is. Like, I, I can't remember the last time, like, there was, like, a big teen movie in theaters. It's it's all about, like, streaming services. I think, like, yeah, the one that I can think of, like, recently is, like, Dear Evan Hansen and people <laughs> fucking hate that. Oh, God. Everything about that. I haven't seen it. But everything I've heard about that, not great. Yeah, I listened is... to the musical, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so funny because like back when the musical came out like everyone was super into it and just like it won all those fucking tonys and yeah. now they have a movie adaptation everyone's like fuck dear evan hansen i fucking hate dear evan hansen which is so fucking funny because the entire musical is about a boy who wants to be liked so badly <laughs> oh the irony hate to see it dear evan hansen could have only existed in like that one specific year and now definitely not it's like no we're over that (laughs) yeah i mean like there are like definitely like so many i i feel like dear evan hansen also has like the same it also like it falls into the same trap as like a lot of teen movies and teen shows and that like they it's very easy to like date a teen movie and show because like through the use of like social media and stuff just like I was watching the he's all that movie and that's (laughs) all about how that girl is a fucking influencer in five years I know that every term they're gonna use is going to be outdated I just like much prefer watching like stuff that don't mention it at all it's just like it's there's a reason why 10 things I hate about you holds up and that's because nobody's on Facebook (laughs) exactly Yeah, I feel like teens now obviously are very different from teens back then. But like, the way that they like frame them in media now, it's not great. It's not stuff that I want to remember in any way. (laughs) These days, it's so easy to like frame teens like within the context of like solely social media because like social media is big. But like, you know, teens exist outside of that. And like, 
you can I feel like you can have a story where teens use social media and not have and like not have the social media aspect be goddamn overwhelming yeah like it should be the focus the teen should be the focus like I think like that's why like my favorite teen movies within like the last few years have been like I guess like the half of it because it's just yeah so it's so understated and sweet and like Yes, it's a very modern movie, but also, like, I feel like it has, like, the kind of warmth that I associate it with, like, teen movies of the past. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, it does have its moments with, like, texting thing, but, like, the way that that's integrated into the story doesn't make it central to it. It just makes it, like, jumping off point for the romance and, like, all the intrigue and stuff. I feel like what becomes impactful is like very much like a product of its time and of the audience, like the, you know, like what the audiences are willing to see at what point in the time, like there are some movies like again, like in genres and targeted towards all eight age brackets that aren't big today, but might be big like a few decades, a few decades ago. And like the other way around is like the same as well. But like, while like some movies hold up on their own, like some are like definitely given new life through like various like spinoffs, reboots, adaptations and stuff. Like, what comes to mind for me is, like, The Breakfast Club because, like, that's been, like, parodied and, like, homage, like, to death. Yeah. Like, there's, like, Victorious, there's Lemonade and Mouth. Like, Victorious <laughs> did a Breakfast Club episode, yeah. which I – and then Riverdale also did a Breakfast Club episode. <laughs> yeah, it's so iconic, which is, like, interesting to me because when I watch that movie now – I haven't watched it in a while, I should preface. <laughs> but, like, how do I put this into words? Uh, the tropes that they have in that movie are very outdated, like, when you think about it. Yeah. But, like, the way that we constantly return to them and, like, make reboots of that is really interesting to me. I think um, there's, like, the idea of, like, a group of misfits coming together and, like, finding meaning and friendship and love in one another is just, like, something that we all, like, aspire to. We all want, like, we all want to be loved by people. We all want to, you know loved despite feeling like misfits and it's just fun to see people become friends yeah i mean my first experience with this show was lemonade mouth like i still have never seen the breakfast club (laughs) honestly i feel like lemonade mouth is a better breakfast club than breakfast club is if that makes any sense lemonade mouth has she so gone like how can it not be better exactly exactly did you watch lemonade mouth first before you watched breakfast club Yes, I think what I watched it. it. What was what was your experience? Um, like watching like the modern musical Disney Breakfast Club first, and then going back to the original. Hmm. I think going to the original, it was like, oh, the first thing you notice obviously is that they're all white, which is like, obviously I can't relate to it that much. But watching that version of it or I guess the original version of it I can see like the intrigue behind making spin-offs of it and like doing stuff like Lemonade Mouth and like going off of that and like making it better because there are there are a lot of I have a lot of problems with The Breakfast Club um and I think that Lemonade Mouth is a great example of like remedying the problems that are in it the whole transformation thing that happens in the Breakfast Club. I don't know if you know about that. Yeah, I mean, I've, 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 yeah. I have never like fully seen the Breakfast Club, but I've seen mm-hmm. like bits and pieces from like, oh, flipping through TV. Yeah. The transformation thing that happens to one of the characters is like one of the 
problems that not only I have, I'm pretty sure a lot of people have a problem with it. But it's like, we don't need that. We don't need to change this wonderful, honestly, attractive girl. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Like, so can we talk about just like the idea of like transformation scenes and like teen movies in general? Yes. Because there's there's such a whole weird vibe around them. Like, And I know that like he's all that tried to remedy like the sexism of transformation scenes. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> was, How well did that go? <laughs> it the thing is like I'm I'm afraid of sounding misogynistic, but there's a reason <laughs> but like the way that he's all that did the transformation scene, it ended up feeling very boring. Like all they did was um yeah. like comb his hair and then put him in a suit and just like and like I get it, it was supposed to be this big transformation, but it just ended up being nothing. And I just feel like, you know, transformations like you know, transformation scenes like misogynistic as they are, they should be excited. Yeah. I didn't feel like oh my I didn't feel like an oh my god, he looks so different moment. I was just like, Yep, that is the guy and he took a shower. <laughs> it's like you could have done so much better with this. Like yeah. I understand wanting to like stop doing being so like sexist with the whole thing but it's like you lose some of the spark there especially if you're doing it with a guy like you guys you can go all out come on we've done it to girls like more than enough (laughs) i feel like it's equality like if girls can have like a like a severe transformation scene with like a slow-mo walk to kiss me like what's to (laughs) stop tanner buchanan from he's all that from doing it nothing (laughs) exactly let him descend the stairs and have his moment and then fall. He didn't even descend the stairs. He just walked out of a room. Oh my gosh. What a letdown. <laughs> I think you should watch He's All That. It's, it's a terrible movie. Honestly, I might. I've been thinking about it. I could use a good hate watch. I haven't done that in a while. <laughs> it's really fun because, like, I don't know if you watch Girl Meets World, but I did. And, like, the. The lead guy, the guy that's being transformed, and, like, the ex-boyfriend guy, mm-hmm. um, they also butted heads because they used to be in Girl Meets World together, and they also kind of fought oh, over a girl there. So, like, this time, instead of Riley from Girl Meets World, it's Addison Ray from TikTok. <laughs> and that's all we need. That's all we can really ask for. It. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, though, because, like, sometimes in terms of, like, reboots and revisiting old media properties, like, sometimes mm-hmm. you'll get, like, the Breakfast Club treatment where, where they will, like, draw the tropes and then try to create something new. And in other times, like, from they'll do he's all that from she's all that. And then, like, even, like, stuff like Heather's got, like, a TV adaptation and oh, a musical. I almost forgot about that. The TV adaptation. Ooh, rough. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how we keep returning to these, like, old movies, classic yeah. movies. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, do you think, like, reboots and, like, things that draw inspiration from the original can, like, ever be good or, like, as good as, you know, what came before or, like, have this a similar cultural impact? I think there are chances of that. Like, nothing's coming to mind right now, but I know that there have been some reboots that have been, like, okay... Not to go like completely out of the sphere of like teen movies, but like go all ahead, the Ghostbuster you know reboots. <laughs> go all ahead, the Ghostbuster you... reboots. They haven't been that bad. I know people had problems with the all female reboot, and like I have words about that, but it's not bad. And they keep 
bringing it back. Like, there's a new movie coming out, I'm pretty sure, soon. And it's like, we're never going to really let these things die. And, like, I think there's chances that there can be good stuff. Like, if given the right, like I said before, people, given the right idea, it could be good. In general, like, what do you think makes something, like, good enough to stand, like, the test of time? I think just doing something new with, like, the material that you have before you in terms of, like, reboots and stuff. If you can, like, think of something new, try and put a good spin on it, I feel like there's a chance, there's a fighting chance that it could do some good to the overall new thing that you're thinking of. People say that, like, there are, like, no good ideas, like, no new ideas, and, like, the original She's All That was, like, Pygmalion, um, Ten Things I Hate About You was, like, The Taming of the Shrew, so, like, I guess, like, everything draws inspiration from something, but, like, what makes yeah. something good is, like, being able to, like, put your own spin on it and still have, like, these, like, engaging characters and managing to be engaging outside of, like, the novelty of, oh, that's a modern reboot of X thing from 10 years ago. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Going off of that, like, engaging characters, I think that's why I loved But I'm a Cheerleader so much. Because Megan and Graham were such, like, honest portrayals of characters. Like, I know, like, everything in that movie was, like, really camp. That's, like, one of the things they dial into, the whole camp aesthetic. So it's, like, really out over the top and stuff like that. But, like, with Graham, I know that Clea Duvall, the actress that plays her, um, had a lot of input into who she was as a character. I know that the director had written her differently originally, and she got to put in a lot of, like, her own stuff. She got to make it her own character. Oh, what happened there? Like, do you know how, like, Graham was um, written originally? I think that she was written, like, a lot... uh, What's the word I'm looking for here? Tough, I want to say? Like, her portrayal of... Graham in the movie is like she's still like tough to an extent but like she's she's also like a very sensitive and like warm person when like the layers get peeled back yeah and I think she added a lot more like facets to who she could be like there was obviously a lot of conflict over whether she wanted to be with Megan or not and I think that Clea added a lot there in terms of like how much am I willing to do for this girl that I met at conversion therapy? And I think I find that really nice that Clea got to do so much more with Graham than what was originally presented to her. Yeah. One thing, um, I because I just watched But I'm a Cheerleader this past week and because I knew one of us was going to bring it up because we've been talking about it <laughs> <laughs> so long. Um, yeah. One thing I was like really I really enjoyed and like was actually pleasantly surprised by was that even though there was like uh this entire plot of like you know Megan was wondering whether Graham is going to just and is like going to you know embrace who she is and like basically run away together I really enjoyed that there was like no real oh you I feel like there's this trope in a, like a lot of like gay movies where it's, mm-hmm. there's this trope like oh you have to come out to your like homophobic parents oh, yeah yeah and it's just or else this love isn't real and like while they're like if you're doing a conversion school camp plot yeah. um 
that's unavoidable but like I feel I like how like in but I'm a cheerleader like the emphasis was never about the parents was never about showing who you are and like you know doing that it was all about like Megan and Graham and their connection and then I wish we could we can see more of that in like not not just stories involving teens because one of the most quintessential teen things is just like talking to your parents and coming out to your parents in a lot of shows but also just in media in general yeah I think that's what makes me think that Butter Material Leader stands the test of time because it doesn't fall back into that routine of just, you have to come out, you have to, or else we can't be together. Which is an interesting point to bring up because um, Clea Duvall recently directed uh, Happiest you know, Happiest season. season, and that kind of thing sort of happens. And mm-hmm. I know that she kind of based it off her own personal experiences, but I find it interesting that that happens in that movie that um oh there's like this obligation that you need to come out to your parents or else I can't I'm not comfortable being with you and that situation I don't want to I guess relive I think was the aim that was they were going for in that movie and I find that interesting that (laughs) that sort of happens um and the same actress is kind of involved with both of those sort of uh experiences but I'm a cheerleader is a good movie. I'd it watch is. it. I'd watch. Yeah. This weekend, because of school, I did like a double feature of it and then like Love Simon. And I was just like, wow, yeah. gay people are real. <laughs> so true. Perfect double feature. <laughs> it's weird because I was watching Love Simon and it was just like the day before recording this where I had, you know, done notes on like, oh, we're going to talk about movies that like stay in the test of time. And mm-hmm. Love, Simon, it's just like, I feel like if it came out in like the 1990s or whatever in like some alternate universe, like it would have been like this big gay movie. But like, I remember like, because this had been my first time seeing Love, Simon, but I had, I've been on Twitter for, you know, years of my life and it's yeah. taken so much from me. <laughs> but I remember it, I remember like basically a month after Love, Simon came out, people were like oh gosh not another coming out movie why are people hailing this as the new gay movie when call me by your name exists oh oh the comparison there is just oh not ideal people are making comparisons and there didn't need to be comparisons they really didn't but it's also just like movies like love simon they're like warm they're soft i think like basically last semester um <laughs> i was taking a class all on rom-coms for my for my screenwriting minor because I'm a screenwriting minor and because I go to school in LA um my professor she knew the two of the writers for Love, Simon the the movie so like they came in and gave a little lecture I think the writers were like Isaac Aptaker and Elizabeth Berger I might be getting their names wrong I I forgot to write those down when I was making notes (laughs) I apologize but yeah so like the two writers they were like they're like us we and Greg we really wanted um it loves simon to kind of like have the feel of like an older teen movie because like like the feel as in like you know it's very warm and tender life looks a little nicer than it does in real life like simon's bedroom does not look like any teen boy's bedroom in real life (laughs) but it looks really really nice and like and they were like because you know heterosexual people have had those like grounded but also slightly heightened niceness vibes in their movies like we wanted that we wanted someone to have a queer love story like that and like we wanted queer kids to have the kind of movie that heterosexual kids have had like since the dawn of time yeah 
I like that sort of sentiment when it comes to certain movies, like wanting to replicate the feeling of um, heterosexual rom-coms. Like, you want those vibes. They're such good vibes, and you want to see that in any movie. Um, and being able to see that in movies like that, it it's... I don't want to... Refreshing's the wrong word. I think we deserve those kinds of stories. I know that yeah. people are like, they're bad. They're like cliche and stuff like that but like they're those classic. stories are long overdue i feel like a lot of people are it's like love simon's not going to change the world yeah but it did change some people it did was impactful for some people in the same way that like 10 things i hate about you was not gonna win any oscars but it is meaningful exactly. for a lot of people i feel like a lot of teen movies or movies just that revolve around teens in general, um, they exist in a space where like, it doesn't have to be Oscar-winning, life-changing, and it can be good and stand the test of time without being Oscar-winning because some yeah. Oscar-winning movies are bad. Sorry, call me by your name. I just don't, I just don't think you should exist. <laughs> Say that. Honestly, speak that truth. Not everything's going to be award-winning. But like, yeah. you can still have an appreciation for how good it is. Um, and know that it isn't, like, ever going to be in the same sphere as, like, oh, these beloved movies that, oh, stand the test of time because they're, what is it, like, universally loved or, like, classic. Like, some movies stand the test of time because, like, they're, like, comfort food movies. They're, like, going to McDonald's or, like, eating macaroni and cheese. Like, yeah, this isn't a five-star meal, but it makes me happy. And, like, What else do you need from a movie or TV show or anything? I remember the first time I watched, I think I told you this already, but it was like midnight. My parents had gone to like a party or something. I don't know. I was at home babysitting my sister and I decided to put it on. (laughs) I was like bawling. It was like two in the morning. maybe, And I was like, this is a lot. And I love this because I had read the book and I remember hearing about the adaptation and I was like, oh, love an adaptation. We love to see that. And, like, for all the differences that the creative liberties that it took with, like, making the story different, I still think it did a good job of, like, nailing what it's like to be a teenager that's not exactly out yet, but, like, trying to figure out their feelings. I thought it did a great job when I watched it at the time. I haven't watched it in a while. Apparently, I haven't watched a lot of movies in a while. But like, Dude, you're you're a film writer. What are you doing? You're a letterboxed <laughs> influencer. What am I doing? Why am I not revisiting these movies over and over again? I say that like I haven't watched But I'm a Cheerleader six times this year. <laughs> um, for those who don't know Bethany, um, we she's my best friend, so it's okay that I'm making fun of her right now. But. Uh, she- <laughs> She when she gets in, when she falls in love with the movie, you know, because she'll log it like twelve times a month on Letterboxd. Yes. I'll just have a phase where I need to keep watching it, and I need to go through those emotions again—the roller coaster that is the plot of a movie—and like I have to live in that for a little while, and then I'll be like, "Okay, I'm going to move on with with life." But that was fun. But also, I just keep doing that with some movies. Some movies you just got to revisit. Like you got to watch it again. We're talking a lot about teen movies today. Like, if you were to make your own teen movie, like, what would you do? You know, what would your perfect ideal movie about teenagers Ooh. be? Interesting. That's a great question. What would I do? Honestly, gut goes with, like, oh, this girl that loves to write, loves to write 
sees another girl. I would ideally make one about two girls falling in love and just kind of like, but I'm a cheerleader. Just those good, pure feelings of just um, teenage romance. I wouldn't probably do much conflict because I'm not one for conflict all that much. If there is conflict, it has to be momentary and I have to have happy feelings after like five minutes of it. Like either that or I'll just be sad. But yeah, two girls falling in love. Standard stuff. Standard stuff as if 90% (laughs) of teen movies aren't heterosexual. (laughs) We need to change that. We got to change that demographic because... um, heterosexual uh teenage movies we need we need more stuff it's okay you can say that heterosexual teenage movies are bad it's okay you won't get killed (laughs) well see sometimes i mean if you're big-brained as i am if you're watching a heterosexual teenage rom-com maybe you just make them both bi and there you go (laughs) 10 things i hate about you is a bi movie now and i think you're right (laughs) Exactly. He's, you go he's all that. He's a straight movie, though. <laughs> On the spectrum of straight and bi heterosexual rom-com movies, he's all that is on one end. The things I hate about you is on the other. But there are gay people and he's all that, though. I feel like I need to see it. There are gay people and he's all that. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so the plot of he's all that is like the. The main girl, Addison Bay, she has she has like two friends. One of the friends is really mean and like ends up being a villain, and the other friend is gay. And then the guy played by Tanner Buchanan, which mm-hmm. I which I keep saying because his name is fun to say. Um, he has a best friend who is just like this fun little artsy girl. She has like colors in her hair and thing. And like th- those two, they get together and they're really <laughs> cute. I really wish the movie was about them instead of Addison Ray and Tanner Buchanan. Honestly, yeah. Why wouldn't you make them the focus? Like if you were going to put them in the movie, why wouldn't you focus on them? Come on now. It's just, it's like the gay best friend trope, but like elevated. There's just something about, there's this thing about like two straight white leads and then like everyone around them being like people of color or gay because the two gay girls, um, I think the actresses, like one I think is South Asian and the other, I'm pretty sure she's Southeast Asian. It's a love story between these two very sweet Asian girls set as part of the backdrop as two straight white people falling in love and one of them happens to be Addison Ray. I cannot stress <laughs> this enough. <laughs> yes, Addison Ray is here. And we need to Addison Ray is here. I d- and I don't understand why she's here, so that's why I, I will keep bringing it up. <laughs> Gosh, movies would do things sometimes. You know, we really yeah. do live in a society. <laughs> we really do. Sometimes we'll make decisions, and those decisions happen, and it's like, well, we gotta, we have to live with that now. <laughs> It's really funny because, like, Netflix will do things like the half of it and then churn out, like, He's All That and, like, 15 Noah Centineo movies. Exactly. It's like, why can't we just stay consistent? <laughs> Sometimes I'll be like, damn, Netflix, why can't you put out good movies? But then I remember that, like, for every Breakfast Club, there's probably, like, a million ni- there's probably like a million 90s movies that I generally don't know because <laughs> what we remember is what stands the test of time. Like, you can't compare... Yeah. Gen Z slang to Shakespeare because that's two completely different things. There was a movie that came out a couple of years after The Breakfast Club 
Because there was like a whole wave of like, we got to replicate this adolescent feeling in the Are you talking about the faculty? I am. Yes. I I know that's because you tweeted about it like a few months ago and then I looked it up. I actually did read the plot on Wikipedia. Nice. But yeah, it's basically like The Breakfast Club if it was a horror movie. And like people thought it would do good in theaters because it was like, if you mashed The Breakfast Club with Scream, because I think Scream had also come out a couple years before it and they were like, we got to ride that wave and see what we can do in the box office. But it flopped. And having watched it, I'm like, I can see why that happened. It's very outdated, as most movies from that era are. But, like, the cast is stacked in that. And I feel like more people need to acknowledge that. I will say again, I feel like I've been mentioning her a lot. Clea Duvall's in this movie. And, like, people like Elijah Wood, Josh Hartnett, I think is his name. Elijah Wood? What the fuck? (laughs) It's so funny. They make him out to be, like, the hero of the movie. Spoilers for the faculty. Um, And it's very funny what they do with that. But they do follow a lot of, like, Breakfast Club-level tropes. Like, Clea's character gets the transformation done to her in, like, the last five seconds of the movie. And I'm like, why did you do this to her? (laughs) But yeah, they they fill a lot of tropes. But then throw in, like, this girl from out of town who happens to be a fucking alien who's gonna... Uh, mind control your entire high school and like try and take over for herself you know usual stuff that's definitely what you want to see in a breakfast club movie. <laughs> that's just Riverdale now these days like <laughs> they like I you think I'm joking but like they are fully doing an alien plot in Riverdale and so when true. Riverdale did do their breakfast club episode it was about satanic dungeons and dragons like they played a fucked up <laughs> game of dungeons and dragons and it killed one person oh it killed their school God. principal honestly that's inspired that's the kind of stuff that's going to stand the test of time <laughs> no no literally the the breakfast club episode of Riverdale it is like one of my favorite episodes of television of all time like I'm not even joking. It's fantastic. I think everyone should watch it. It's just because oh like it's it's all about the parents of the Riverdale characters and oh. and so like the main cast plays their parents and it's just like this fun little thing. Interesting. Okay, you're tempting me to watch this episode now. I'm Riverdale is not a good this. show, but I will die <laughs> for the episode of Riverdale called The Midnight Club, which is based on the Breakfast Club where they do play Satanic Dungeons and Dragons. I will, like, legitimately contemplate watching this episode now that you've mentioned it. I'm intrigued. I mean, anything Dungeons & Dragons, you've got me. We're Dungeons & Dragons nerds on this podcast. Hate to break it to you. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know anyone who's listening to this podcast who doesn't already know this fact about me, that that I am a Dungeons & Dragons nerd because I say it, like, ten times a day. But if you don't know, (laughs) now you know. Breaking news, guys. Nia's a Dungeons & Dragons fan. I can't believe this. (laughs) But, like, seriously, though, Riverdale is a bad show, but watch the Breakfast Club episode of Riverdale. This isn't a Riverdale podcast episode. I don't know why I keep talking about Riverdale. I just have a problem. I have problems but in you're right. It's your podcast. And if we're going to have a Riverdale moment, we're going to have it. Yeah, like, you, I've embraced that. You got to have your but I'm a cheerleader moment and your exactly. faculty moment. I get to have my little Riverdale moments. That's fine. Also, this is equivalent exchange. <laughs> yeah. Also, going back to the faculty, um... Am I correct in remembering that, like, was Clea Duvall playing a lesbian in that one? She was not. They made it very clear that she was not. 
there was a whole scene with um this other character played by Jordana Brewster who's in Debs. I'm gonna mention that just real quick. Love that movie. I don't know if that's very good movie. A teen movie. Yes, I I feel like it could be a teen. I don't know how old they were in that movie actually, so I'm not gonna put a label on it. But um, I think, yeah, there's this. Scene I think Debs is like the kind of movie where like if they weren't teens, then it was yeah. just it had some teen-ish tropes that made people who yeah. like teen movies want to watch Debs if they were exactly. gay. Exactly. Yeah, there was a scene with Georgiana Brewster and Cleo Duvall where it was like she was making fun of her for being a lesbian. But then in another scene, she was like, no, I'm not a lesbian. I just put that on as a front so that people don't talk to me. And I was like, what? What? Why would you make her, Cleo Duvall, a lesbian say this? Why would you make her? I like had a whole breakdown watching that movie for the first time because I was like, I think she had done... This was before But I'm a Cheerleader, so obviously people didn't know she was out yet. But I was like, oh, God, this would be horrible for her. But, like, all the stuff I've seen her talk about that movie now, she's like, it was such a good experience. Because I think the director, I forget what his name is, but he was, like, an acclaimed director. um, And she loved working with him, which, like, good for her. Love that experience for her. But, like, oh, God. I don't know how I would feel if I had to go through implying I was a lesbian and then not being one just being like no I'm not actually (laughs) this is a front it's very funny because like as as recently as 1998 that could be an excuse for like not talking to people and then you'll flash forward like a decade or so and like there was this whole show on MTV where these two girls pretended to be lesbians to be popular gosh oh how that did not stand the test of time even though i do sometimes <laughs> think about it very i frequently think about that absolutely deranged show could have only existed during the same time that glee existed <laughs> honestly yeah product of its time for sure everything is a product of its time and sometimes <laughs> those products can only exist in those times <laughs> exactly all that being said, I try to keep these podcast episodes nice and short and end them on a high note. So in the interest of respecting Bethany's time and my sanity as the person having to edit <laughs> this podcast, it's time to wind down and get to everybody's least favorite part of the pod, the lightning round. The lightning round is where I ask my guests a series of quick questions to see if they have any fun opinions. Bethany, are you ready? Yeah, ready as all <laughs> Um, First question, because I thought we were going to get to this, and then I, we just decided to go on tangent instead, but it's still on my the top for my list of lightning round questions. Um, If you were to exist in the fantasy high universe, what class would you be? Ooh, what class? Mm-hmm. Druid. Um, Number two, the breakfast club or lemonade mouth? Oh, lemonade mouth, 100%. <laughs> It's the better movie. I'm literally going to start saying that um, The Breakfast Club reverse plagiarized Lemonade Mouth. It did. You're right it, to say that. It did. <laughs> the writers for The Breakfast Club actually went forward in time, copied the idea for <laughs> Lemonade Mouth, and then went back in time to make The Breakfast Club. Exactly. Yeah. Um, number three, Jess from Turnt or Ostentatia from The Seven, which most people from the listening to this might not get, but I'm asking because I like to bully my friends. <laughs> during podcast recordings oh gosh just for the sake of respecting izzy roland and like how she feels about those characters i'm gonna say ostentatia 
<laughs> Much love to Jess, though. Love that home wrecker. <laughs> Bethany supports home wrecking. Can you guys believe that? <laughs> Look, if a character is non-binary and they're home wrecking, I have to support them no matter what. <laughs> I'm literally going to use this as like the little preview for this episode so that everyone can start <laughs> off hating you. I hate that so much. You know what? Fair. I deserve that. <laughs> Number four, she's all that or he's all that. Having not seen he's all that, she's all that. Number five, this has nothing to do with YA, but because you're my best friend and I like to bully you, um, <laughs> Cam Donna from Halt and Catch Fire or Patterson from Kevin Can Fuck Himself. Oh my god, why would you do this to me? <laughs> hmm. Oh god. Patterson, I'm so sorry, but I have to say Cam Donna. It was them first, and then it will continue to be them. I have much love for Allison and Patty, but until we get that second season, which is not far off, let's be honest, um, I gotta stick with Cantana. Which is ironic, because they're probably gonna be canon in the next season. Whatever. I gotta stick with Cantana. Final question, most important. Um, just because, you know, this is the first time we've ever recorded something like this together. After seeing me do this, do you still respect me? Um, yes, massively. I'm going to be honest. Before today, I was really nervous that I wasn't going to be able to articulate at all. And you've done an amazing job at helping me, like, speak. No, it's okay. You're a wonderful speaker. I cannot express enough. You're like, I have the most wonderful guests and you're part of that class of extremely wonderful people. Oh my gosh. Well, that's all of my questions for this time. Bethany, do you have any last words for the audience? Any social media you'd like to promote? Well, my Twitter account was recently suspended, so... Uh, <laughs> what a way to preface that um, it wasn't a suspend for anything bad it was just copyrighted music for fan cams and yes. it was an injustice and we will be fighting this in court we will, we really will because when you take down something when you take down a fan cam that's not only the Doja Cat, which I should have expected but is for Bendit Like Beckham, which we should have brought up but whatever, it's fine like an iconic Bend movie. Like Beckham is a good movie. We can still bring it up yeah. now. I think <laughs> it, was a, it was a great movie for its time. And yes. like it should have been gay, but we understand why it wasn't. And it yes, was so wonderful. Yes, we totally understand. Yes. Mm-hmm. Iconic. Yeah. Um, socials? Uh, you can follow me basically anywhere. Um, Bethany Dotuin. If you need help spelling that, my last name. Uh, <laughs> should I spell it out? D-A-T-U-I-N, if you need that. But yeah, uh, Twitter, Instagram, I'm on there. Um, anything else I could say? Stream But I'm a Cheerleader. It's free on YouTube. It's um, been free on YouTube. You should definitely watch it if you haven't watched it already. And if you have watched it, rewatch it. Because that movie's worth revisiting. Yeah. <laughs> That's also, what I feel. I did not stream But I'm a Cheerleader on YouTube, but I did find a place mm-hmm. where I could stream it free without ads on JustWatch.com. Oh, nice. So if you're ever looking for – this episode is not sponsored, but because you're talking about <laughs> streaming, I feel the need to plug JustWatch.com where you can find um, any anything – you just can look up anything you need to watch and see where you can – what streaming platforms you can find it on. JustWatch.com. If you're listening, please sponsor me. I need sponsor a better, better microphone. <laughs> please sponsor her. Oh, one last thing I will say in terms of streaming – um, if you need any song recommendations, go stream Silk Chiffon by Muna. They've Silk got a Ch- But I'm a Cheerleader music video for that. So, like, go stream both of those. <laughs> is there a But I'm a Cheerleader Silk Chiffon fan cam yet? I feel like there, there should isn't. be one. I should make one. I should. You should 
Dream Beth and his fan cams, y'all. If they, they got suspended <laughs> because as God was not willing to see such beauty in the world, they're exactly. wonderful fan cams. Oh. I will be re-uploading those. You will see those if you ever want to see them again. <laughs> yeah. In the future. I mean, well, I mean, if you don't have anything else to say, that's it for today. Um, as a um, reminder, episodes drop every other Thursday, so please give this podcast a review and rating on Apple Podcasts if you're into that sort of thing. Until next time, I'm Nia, reminding you that you don't need attention to make friends, you just need self-love. <laughs>